Well, good morning. Good morning. He's behind us. He's before us. He's around us. He's upon us. He's in it. Isn't that good? Boy, the presence of the Lord. And that's what worship is about. Without that, it's just uh, noise and knowing that he's here and he's present. So we welcome you, those online. Thank you for being a part. I hope that you felt the presence of God as you were listening online as, as much as we did uh, here. And so just a couple things to bring to your attention. In two weeks, no, next week, Sunday after this service, is our uh, Welcome to the Vineyard Family class, How to Discover what, what it means to be part of the Vineyard family, a member. Uh, so our membership course is open for those that are full-time and part-time residents. So, you know, you don't have to leave your church up north in the sense of, you know, you're no longer a member there. But this can be home while you're away from home. So an associate membership, if you will. And, uh, and we know that ultimately you're going to end up here anyway. So what, what can we say? Just like you think it's cold here, look at the blizzard they're having up north. And uh, you won't complain but I know we got to get those grandbabies down here to join you, and I know that's a pull uh, on your heart. But anyway, if you haven't made the Vineyard home yet and you're just an attender, we love you as an attender and a guest. We want you to be family to do that. This is the course to step into, so write on your Let's Connect card UIO, and we'll count on you next week. We'll have lunch, child care, and that's uh, next week. And then this week we launch our groups uh, you should have a, something in your program that you can look up. Uh, my wife and I shot the DVD series called The Christian Wardrobe. We're going to be going through this for this next season. I think it's going to be very encouraging uh, to you. Uh, we can only open doors, build bridges, offer invitations, but you've got to be big people, put on your big boy and big girl pants, and decide you're going to cheat something in life. Because if you don't cheat something, if you're not, there, there, there's three categories of people here. One, they're already in groups, so we'll move on. You're in a group. Number two, there's those that are not in a group. And then the third category, those that used to be in a group that are not anymore. Something filled that hole. Now, you maybe had to work and you got to find a different, but life comes in and it'll fill every hole. So if you can add something to your plate, you kind of got to take something off of your plate, not like your family, your job, but maybe there's some other things that have come into your life that take priority over things that maybe would be most meaningful for you in your future and walk with God. But you got to sort that out. We've got groups during the day, during the night, women's, men's, snowbirds. So something for everybody. There's a table on the way out. You can check it out if you need help. Finding one, just fill out the card, and we would be more than honored to uh, assist you in moving into connecting in relationship. There, you won't find a perfect group. Uh, as the old adage is, if you do find a perfect group, please don't go to it because you'll ruin it. So <clears throat> don't take offense to that, but there is no perfect anything on earth, uh, especially church. Church is messy. It's ugly. It's people. Uh, it'd be great if we were just a museum and uh, museum, you know, stuffed statues don't hurt your feelings, but people will. And you'll probably get your feelings hurt at a group because people are people. And so, but that's how you grow. That's how you establish yourself in the kingdom and, and use your gifts to serve. All right, last message on the Jabez prayer, First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. We've been on it all month. I hope you've been practicing it like a spiritual discipline. And so that this prayer will shape you 
into understanding God is a God that you don't have to talk into blessing you, that God is a God that wants to enlarge your territory and prosper you and give you influence and divine appointments, that God wants to have his hand of blessing on your life, guiding you, protecting you, anointing you, and that God, in this last prayer part, is that God will keep you from harm. So I hope that this shapes you in learning to pray in, in a greater dimension of faith. And so we're going to go back and let's just refresh the prayer. Jabez, his mother named him pain. He rose up out of that pain and became more honorable than all his brothers. We don't know how other than he was shaped by his prayer. Think about that for a minute. Think of those of you that are married. If you could put into a paragraph what you would pray or what you do pray for your spouse and your family, what would that prayer be? What is that prayer? Not hypothetical. What are you praying? What do you pray for your spouse? You, 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 you're forming your family by your prayer life. You're forming your, your, what's your job like? What do you pray about your job other than God give me a better one? What do you pray about at being at your job and being a blessing? Pray the Jabez prayer over your job and see if it forms. What if God said, I'm just going to let you form your own life based on how you pray? Maybe you pray a little differently, a more focused way, because I truly believe that our prayers define our destinies. Now, God's in charge. He leads us and guides us and forms us how to pray for the things that he wants us to believe for because he wants to give them to us. But he's designed it that you have not because you ask not. Or you ask with wrong motives or wrong desires. So Jabez's prayer is a gateway to learn to see God in a different light. And so Jabez prays this prayer in verse 10. He cries out to the Lord God, Oh, that you would bless me and bless me and be behind me, be before me, be over me. That's what he, bless me, enlarge my territory, expand my opportunities, give me promotion and favor, and let your hand be upon me. And the last line, keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. When he says free from pain, he's basically saying, let me overcome or transform my name, which meant or sounded like pain. He's basically saying, God, let me become a better person than I've been defined by, by the, 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 the pain of the name that was put upon me. And, and I'm not trapped to that because I know you're going to bless me, enlarge me, put your hand upon me. But he prays first to keep me from harm or evil. The word here has much more to do with moral wickedness. It has to do with spiritual uh, attack, assaults. It's, you know, it'd be nice to say, Lord, please keep me God. I, I would pray this regularly. Lord, keep me from all pain. I, I, I want to get up without pain. I want to go to bed without pain. I want to be free from pain. I want to be free from emotional. I don't want any bad news about my family. I don't want any pain in life. I want our church to go well. I want everything to be wonderful. I just, that, that's, you know, the, uh, just don't worry. Be happy. Doo, 
do, 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 do. That's how I want to live. But I live in a real world with a real enemy and real flesh and real temptation, real tax, real suffering, real grief, real disease, real sickness, real pain. So this isn't some la-la land prayer of, God, keep me from ever having a problem. No, that's not the idea. The idea here is keep me from those things that I can avoid. Keep me from those harms, traps, temptations, bad choices that cause me to have pain. And it can also be translated and causes pain to others. Jabez's mother said, you caused me pain. So he wants God to flip that, keep me from harm. So not only do I walk free from unnecessary, needless pain, and I won't cause pain to other people. You know, hurting people hurt people. And that's just life. Next time somebody is really being rude or, or short or just acting like a, a bad, you know, sometimes you just step back and say some, they're really hurting. They don't know how to say it. They're trying to hurt others, be mean to others, condemn others, judge others. But really inside, they're exposing their own soul that they're a hurting person. Hurting people hurt other people. Now, I'm not saying they do it on purpose. It's just part of pain that's not dealt with properly. So Jabez doesn't want to be that person. He wants to avoid the snares. He wants to see fulfilled in his life what we pray. And the, the Father's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Look at Matthew 6. And one line in that, that prayer near the end of it, he says, And lead us not into temptation. Not that God will ever, God will never tempt you with evil, but God will expose the traps and snares that the devil sets. Lord, don't let us fall in the trap. Don't let us be deceived. And then he says, and but deliver us. In other words, if I fell into a trap, made a bad choice, deliver us from the evil one. You can't deliver yourself. It's going to be take someone stronger than the evil one, which is Jesus. To deliver you. So I want to, so I was praying about this. I said, Lord, what, what would be the, a good story or the best way to kind of illustrate keeping us from harm? How would you go about answering this prayer? And the Lord said to me, it's very simple. You need a shepherd. So I want you to go with me to Psalm 23, probably the most familiar Psalm in the Bible, probably the most familiar chapter. Uh, when my wife and I do memorials and funerals, uh, we always pretty much use and reference Psalm 23 because it's a comforting psalm, but it's not just meant to be about death. It's a psalm of life. So I want to take you through this because if you're going to avoid harm, when I mean harm here, I'm talking about the, the, the unnecessary pain that you bring on yourself by sin, disobedience, by believing lies, acting on those lies. Now, in this psalm, it's, it's, a, it's a prescription to overcome and avoid harm. It's a prescription to not cause harm. Now, it's, it, when I read it, I, if I'd have been more disciplined, I wrote it out, but I didn't get it to someone that could type it up, and I didn't type it up, as I could have it printed off, and I could have given you a copy. But you, maybe it's better that you write your own. But I'm gonna, as I go through Psalm 23, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the un-Psalm 23 version. What it would be like if verse one said this, I have no shepherd. What would it be like? And I'm going to take you through the psalm, both in having a shepherd 
and not having a shepherd. Sometimes it's good to understand the Bible by reading it backwards or opposite. You know, what would it mean if you had no shepherd? And, and, and it, all around us are people with no shepherd. Either they're, they're unaware that Jesus wants to be their shepherd or they purposely have chosen not to let Jesus be their shepherd or they say Jesus is their shepherd, but they're a practical atheist. Do you know Christians can be a practical atheist? What is that? That's someone that has all this faith, but it means nothing in their life. They're full of anxiety, fear, sin, rebellion. Well, I believe in God, but there's no evidence of that in their life. There's no, there's no benefit to their faith. And it doesn't do any good if you can preach it to others, but you don't believe it yourself. What's the point? So, David starts out Psalm 23. I love the beginning. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I love that. It's a, as so, as you go, it's a monosyllable word. One, just my. But if you take that word out, it's still truth. The Lord is the shepherd. And that's good. But it doesn't do you any good if he's not my shepherd. That's a commitment. That's a surrender. That's a faith. David didn't say, nah, I don't know. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. There's a personal knowing surrender to the shepherd. There's a relationship of belonging. Sheep are the only, they're not, they're, they're, they're domestic. They're, they're not meant to be wild animals. You know, if we could pick our own animal that you could be, think of what animal you would pick. Uh, you know, just you don't blurt it out. I don't care. But pick up what animal you would, because we'd just make fun of you when you blurted it out, and it would just expose how you. So for me, I'll blurt mine out. When I was a boy, you know, whenever you had a substitute, you always thought they don't know anything. They're substitutes. What's, I didn't even know what a substitute was. I just knew our teacher wasn't there that knew me. Now someone else is there. So they're given the going around the roll, and they called on, you know, Stinchona here, Jamie Stilson. I said, I'm here, but they, they call me Rhino. Now, no one had ever called me Rhino. I didn't have a nickname named Rhino. My friends didn't call me Rhino. The teacher never called me Rhino. But somehow it came out of me because I thought that'd be a cool name to be Rhino. Jamie seemed pretty boring. Seemed like it was a girl's name. And so I wanted to be a macho Rhino. And so uh, she said, okay, that's fine, Mr. Stilson. And so she went on and kept calling the, uh, the role. And so you know, I'd like to be a Rhino, but I'm a sheep. You, you, you might want to be a, a, a tiger, a, a lioness, a, a lion, and, but, but you're sheep. You're, you're slow. You're not real smart. You're, you're vulnerable. You, you never hear of a sheep gone wild. Be careful. They're out there. There's serial sheep killing machines. There are a herd of wild, vicious sheep. They're just mauling everybody in front of them. You never hear that. They're too stupid. So Jesus says, hmm, what animal would I pick to be sheep? Because they need a shepherd. They're designed to need someone. to. They can't shave their own hair off. They can't find good. They're dependent creatures. And I'm telling you, our world chafes against being a sheep. We want to be independent, especially Americans. 
Oh, we're not, we got our rights and don't tell us what to do and don't mess with my guns and don't mess with this and don't mess with that and don't, you know, I'm my own person and I'll do it. And okay, there's a lot of good liberties there, but I'm telling you when it comes down to it, you don't tell God any of that. You don't say, don't mess with me, don't tread on me. You don't say, don't take this from me. When you become a sheep, you sign up for the shepherd to take charge. And that's a good thing as you go through the psalm, unless you want to read it this way. I do not have a shepherd, so I'm filled with dissatisfaction. I'm filled with nothing but wants. David said, I have a shepherd, and he fulfills my needs. It doesn't mean he gets everything he wants, because you don't want everything you want. If you got everything you want, you'd be ruined. You don't know what you, you don't want, you, you, there's a difference between a need and a want. I want, I want, give me, give me, give me, give me. No, God knows what you need. He's committed to meet your needs according to his riches and glory, the Bible says. God's interested in fulfillment, not in abundance of a bunch of stuff that isn't going to meet your needs. And my wife and I have had the privilege of traveling to far less fortunate places. And and you want to feel sorry for them, but I always come home feeling sorry for us. Because though there's a lack and there's simplicity, there's this, this sense of, I'm grateful for a bowl of beans and rice. And just we're happy as a family to gather around. And we're grateful that we got beans and rice and Jesus. We don't have a dirt floor and one light bulb in our house. We don't have a microwave, let alone a gas stove, let alone a car. But we're happy. There's a peace. There's a, there's a sense of, of, of fulfillment. And that's the what should characterize us as sheep, is that we know the shepherd will meet our needs. And he's going to unpack some of these in verse 2. He says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, the un-Psalm 23 would be, I have no one to help me find green pastures. I'm on my own. And you've got to understand, in that culture, that's desert land. Basically, it's finding a needle in a haystack. It's finding an oasis. It's finding a, a, a safe place to rest and feed and be nourished, which is God's word and time with his presence and time and hearing preaching. And, and, and some of you, he's got you here today and he, he makes us to lie down in green pastures. Most people don't want a shepherd till they're in a jam. Isn't that true? Come on. Most people, they, do you need Jesus when you're in a hole? You need Jesus when you're in a jam. Now there's nothing wrong, no harm, no foul. I tell people all the time, it's wisdom to wake up no matter what got you in that jam, deep hole you're in, crisis in life, and you know to come for faith. You know to come to church. 9-11 happened. This building was packed. Packed. Next week, back to normal. The country didn't collapse. We weren't invaded. But fear drove people. And I, I, didn't, I didn't mock those people that came. I'm happy they knew where to go. The sad part is, I'll never forget I had a guy... And, and I knew him at another church, and he was just so arrogant, cocky, know-it-all about church and correcting pastors and how pastors ought to do it and blah, 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 blah. Well, he went through a divorce, and he showed up here, and he was a different man. He was humble. He, he helped do things around the church that nobody would see. He was, he was considerate. He was, he was just in that place. He found the shepherd again, and then he fell in love, got remarried. He became the arrogant guy again. Life's all good, and he started telling me how to do everything. 
I'm like, mm, you're better divorced, man. You're better in the hole. I didn't say that. Don't help me. I'm just, I know you thought, what? You said what? A lot of things you say in your mind that don't come out in your mouth. This day and age, people have the, the problem with Facebook where the, it doesn't stay in their mind. It comes out of their mouth and it's out there. And it just says stupid written all over it. Just write, I'm stupid and send it out. Because everybody knows now. You put it in writing. You put it in a picture. You're stupid. So there's a place of brokenness that you need a shepherd. The hardest part to need a shepherd is life's going good. And needing Jesus when your needs are being pretty well met and things are good. But I'm going to tell you something. Bump of the road will come. Bump of the road's coming. And you're going to hit that bump. And you're going to wish you'd have been in green pastures because now you've got no reserve left inside of you. You're not taking any time to let Jesus nourish your soul. You've got to need to follow, follow the shepherd to the green places spiritually to replenish you, to renew you, to feed you. And then he says this. Not only does he lead me beside green, or make me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. And I love the word leads here. And the opposite of that would be he drives me. And that's what you do to cattle. You drive cattle, you lead sheep. Cattle are not just stupid, they're stubborn, and you've got to drive them to get them from A to B. Sheep learn that when the shepherd takes me, wherever he's going, he's got the good stuff. He knows where the grass is. He knows where the quiet waters are. He's going to lead me to something good. When you trust the goodness of the shepherd, you have confidence that he's in charge of my life. Or are you in charge? If you don't have a shepherd, it would read this way. I have no one to guide me to find safe places to be replenished. All I'll find is turmoil, strife. I'll find disaster. I'll drown myself. See, we're designed to need a shepherd. We live in a world that wants to lead itself. And you don't lead yourself to green pastures. You don't lead yourself to quiet waters. You don't. And it's a sad thing in the name of freedom. Freedom is a terrible responsibility. Telling a child to figure out their sexuality is, 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 is child abuse. It's, it's, I feel more, it's, I don't, I don't judge the teenagers of this culture. I, I, I judge the parents. I judge the media. I judge the movie stars. I judge those that have said, hey, put whatever initial at the end of your word name or at the end of your de definition of who you are, whatever, you, you just figure it out. You, you can't figure anything out at 13. What do you know? You still, some of them are secretly picking their nose at 13 and eating it. And they, they, you want to figure out your sexuality? You can't even drive a car yet. You're not going to put a car in the hand of a teen. Why would you put their sexuality in the midst of adolescence and hormones and, and all kinds of things? It's a desire. They don't have a shepherd. Their shepherds are loster than they are. They're people that are more broken than they are, that are going through hundreds and hundreds of sexual relationships in the name of freedom. I do what I want. I'm free. Yeah, you are, but there's consequences. When Jabez says, keep me from harm, he says, avoid those things. They're going to bring consequences to your soul. And we have sin brings consequences. No matter how much God loves you, when you are not following him and you're not staying near the shepherd 
and you're taking your own way, you're going to find waters that'll drown you. You're going to find waters that are dangerous, turmoil. But the shepherd says, no, 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 we're not going down there. You can't drink there because it's, it's going to suck you in. I know the currents. Here's a safe place to cross right here. Just stay with me. The safest place to be is to be near the shepherd. The most dangerous place to be is to be away from the shepherd. Away so far you can't. His voice now sounds like the enemy. Do you know you can get so far away from God that his voice sounds like the enemy? And the enemy's voice sounds like the shepherd. We have a real enemy that, that loves to steal, kill, and destroy. In John 10, where Jesus described himself as a good shepherd, he warned about the wolves and the thieves that come to devour. And the way they do it is whatever tactic they can get you to be divided from the herd, fellowship, being in a group, connected to believers. Now you're isolated. You have iPods to listen to. You have the internet. Great source of wisdom that it is. Profound Facebook analogies of life. You know, you're you're led to places that seem, as Proverbs says, there's a way that seems right, but it ends in the ways of death. And so that independence of freedom to do what you want to do, the worst thing God can do to a sheep is let the sheep do whatever it wants to do. Sheep never wander close to Jesus. If you leave a sheep alone, our default is wandering astray. You just never go, I don't know how it happened. I just woke up closer to Jesus, reading the word of God, prayer, saying no to temptation, broke up with this situation, stopped doing that kind of behavior, stopped watching porn, put that up. No, you don't, you don't, you don't drift near Jesus. What brings you to Jesus is the shepherd comes and gets you and says, come home, get back in this herd. And he runs the wolf off. And we'll talk about that in a minute. He leads us beside quiet waters and then verse three he restores my soul the un psalm 23 the un psalm 23 would say my soul is a mess and i can't fix it doctors can't fix it and i'm not anti-doctors counselor can't fix. listen to me a soul can be healed by the power and grace of god Only God can forgive sins. Only God can cleanse and wash the guilt and pain of sin. Only God can heal a broken heart. My wife and I, I know I've talked about this, and I will until you start watching it. Uh, uh, But there's a great show. I think it's on the Discovery Channel. It's an English show. It's at a little thatched roof uh, place. It's called The Repair Shop. And it's just people bring their broken things to these master craftsmen whether it's clockmakers, and most of the things aren't valuable. But what's valuable is it was my great-grandfather's or my grandpa's, and, and he's gone now. And I'd like to have this working so I could better remember him. And they fix it, and the people come back, and they cover it over with a blanket or something, and then they unveil it, and people look at it. And it's not the thing. It's the wholeness of the story. It's the restoration of the memory. It's the, I'm going to sit in the chair that, that grandma sat in. I'm going to wear the hat that grandma won as a, I mean, it's just, and if Kim and I ever rename this church, we've talked about it. We'll rename it the repair shop. 
The vineyard repair. Oh, no, it's not vineyard anymore. Okay, just the repair shop. Isn't that a great, that's, nothing makes us stay in the game than watching lives get repaired. What a miracle to watch marriages be healed and restored. To watch people come out of darkness and deception and lies. Pain. To see the Jabez prayer answered that people are kept from harm and they, they come back to a place of, of fulfillment, wholeness. Yeah, they're scars, but they become stories of grace. They, they're, they're just, and watching God raise people up. I, 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 there's nothing that delights us more. Nothing. Nothing that breaks our heart more than to see sheep wander astray and just go on their own way. They become their own shepherd. They become their own, or their friends, or their podcast, or their TV, whatever. And it's like, you, the safest place to be is near the shepherd. The greatest place of wholeness is to be near the shepherd because he puts us back together. I, I, many, so many, I can't tell you how many times over the years, not just salvation, but I've had to go and bring my life back to Jesus, say, Lord, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. As a pastor, coming back to Jesus. Do you know how embarrassing that is? Come back and say, Jesus, here I am again. I didn't listen to your voice here. I ignored you there. And now the consequences are a broken soul. But you know what? You heal broken souls. You restore fractured lives. You come and bring the medicine of forgiveness and healing and grace and and. Only the shepherd restores the soul. Now, you can band-aid it, hide it, medicate it, but you ain't going to get it repaired till you get in the repair shop of Jesus. And he'll never look at you and go, I don't know what to do with that. Man, that's a mess. That's too big for me. No, he, he, there, is, there is no broken life that's too broken for his healing. He's the God of repairing. He's the God of restoration. And he says, you follow me as your shepherd, I'll restore your soul. But if you don't have a shepherd, you're going to walk in brokenness. You're going to walk in a fractured life. Your soul's going to be scattered all over the place. Then he says in verse 3, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Basically, if I said the safest place to be is with the shepherd, then the the, the, the holiest place to be is to say, Lord, what's your will here? Not what I want. And, 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 and if you're going to walk with the shepherd, he has his own path. It's not yours. You know, oh, everybody has their own path. I don't want mine. I want his. His path, he knows where it's going. My path, I hope where it's going, but it's going to end in destruction. Every man's wise in his own eyes. My parents can't tell me anything. You know, I, 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 you know nobody, my friend, you know, I, I, I've got this. I've got this. Yeah. How's that working for you, as someone would say? It's not working good. When Jesus leads you on a path, it's a good path. Doesn't he mean easy? Doesn't mean comfortable? Doesn't mean tear-free? I'd like it to mean that, but sometimes that path of righteousness is a, it's a difficult journey. Lord, I need you. Yes, you do, but I'm with you. But I'm leading you on a path that leads to wholeness, goodness, rightness. And you don't have to pray about evil. 
You don't have to pray, does God want me to take this evil path? No. It's simple. The enemy does. So how do I know which path am I supposed to be on? Stop where you are. Don't go any further. If you don't know you're on the Lord's path, stop. Don't go faster hoping you'll find it. Stop. Take a reevaluation and just say, Jesus, if I'm not on the right path, show me the right path. That's his job. He's good at it. The shepherd, you don't have to talk. Please show me the right path. Please. No. He's like screaming, I'm over here. Walk this way. Do not take that path. People that hear that go, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to try it anyway. Well, you're going to get your brains beat in. You're going to have consequences sometimes the rest of your life because you ignored the wisdom of God. You defied his leadership. Sheep know that the shepherd knows the right path. Then he says this. He says, lead me in paths of righteousness for your namesake. Now verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. See, Jabez said, keep me from harm and so that I will not have pain. He's not praying that he'll never see death. He's not praying that his loved ones will never die. He's not praying that he'll never walk through the valley. He's praying that when he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, he'll fear no evil. That's the harm part. The threats of darkness, the threats of the enemy. He says, because you're with me. There's a difference between walking through pain with the Lord doesn't mean you don't feel it. It's like grief. The Bible tells Christians to grieve, but we grieve not as those who have no hope. So there's a harmful grieving that's hopeless and despair. I, I, I never forget, a, years ago, there was a terrible accident right off of Sanibel, and there was a four-year-old and a 19-year-old both killed in the same accident. And uh, the, the family, uh, we did the memorial, I did the memorial, and I've never been to a, a memorial with less faith just total grief. No, nothing. It was like preaching against a hurricane. It was like every time I said something about Jesus, blew back. I visited that family a year later and they still had the funeral flowers from their son's funeral in their house and all the blinds shut. This is Sanibel in a nice house. That's despair. And the counselor told them to write letters to their dead son, and that would help you. Well, then maybe the counselor, I'm sure they meant well, but it's, it's stupid. And, you know, you, you, can get, you, you can't bring the son back, but you could go see the son. It's called faith. And you can find a new purpose in life where you'll forget. They forgot each other as a couple. And that often happens in a, a death like that. Couples don't survive it because they're so focused on the pain, they got nothing for each other. And see, and so when you walk through the valley, it doesn't, faith, staying near Jesus doesn't mean you're not going through the valley. You will go through it. Every one of us will. You'll walk in that creepy shadow, dark, dark, demons of hell whispering, look at you lost, look at you gave up, look what's got stolen from you, it's not fair, look at God, would God let that happen, you're, in, you're overwhelmed with floods of darkness when you walk through these, these hard places of life or someone abandoned you, someone abused you, somebody, you walk through these dark places, but that's where you say, Jesus, 
stay near me and I'm going to stay near you. But I don't feel you close to me, Jesus. In the darkest times, you rarely feel God close to you because your emotions are wrecked. And it's in those moments you walk by faith, not by sight. When God seems to be a thousand miles away saying, you're on your own here. Those are the times he's the closest to you, but he wants you to trust him. Thank you, Lord, you're with me. I I wish I could sense it a little more. I wish I could feel it a little more, but I just know you're faithful. You'd never abandon me in a dark valley and leave me alone. Death is going to come for all of us. You can face alone and say the un-Psalm 23 would say this, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm consumed with fear. I have no one to walk with me. I'm alone. Is there a worse thing? You know, we're in a plague in our city right now. Just the numbers of, they're mostly uh, older white men that have committed suicide. Uh, we had a family in our church that, uh, that, that they knew the man. He killed himself in front of Walmart so somebody would find him. Another one stayed three weeks in his house before they found him. What is someone being three weeks in a home and nobody missing them? They're all alone. You don't just get alone in life. You live a life that makes you alone. You're unconnected. You have no care for others. You're a black hole. And they're just alone. They have no hope. No one to, to, to call on. And maybe they've burned every bridge that they had. And there's no sense of maybe, maybe I could go to church. Maybe I could find some hope. But we live in a world that if you don't think this world isn't going to come crashing down on people's lives, the way they're teaching young people to live, it won't work. It won't bring happiness. It's going to bring destruction on our country. They've destroyed marriages. They've destroyed the value of family. They've destroyed sexuality. And if you think it's going to work out, this is going to be a really good path here. No, it's not. And we're going to have a bunch of broken people that come and say, help. And we're going to love on them. And we're not going to judge them. We're not going to say, man, you idiot. We're going to say, come on home. See, this is what this psalm calls us to. Without a shepherd, you have no one to have confidence in. He says, for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, they beats the pudding out of anything that comes around trying to get you. Aren't you glad you got to, we think of shepherds as kind of like little, you know, hi, I'm a shepherd. Now this is like, I'm going to whoop you, you get anywhere near my sheep. I'm going to take your head off. You know how many people my wife and I have run off this church campus? You're not, you're, not, you're not coming around here. You're a predator. You're not coming around here. You're causing division. You're not com- yeah, I show people the back door all the time. There you go. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Here's the back door. Go on out. Because you're not going to come in here and bring that stuff in here. That's a shepherd's job is to protect the sheep. It's to watch them. We do it both in our security and the natural, but we do it in the spiritual with discernment and calling people out. And not being afraid to say, no, you're not going to get around our children like that. You're not going to do it. We don't have a good sense about that. Stay away from our children. And we're very protective because that's a shepherd's job. And this shepherd's got a club. He'll whoop him upside and get, oh, he hurt that wolf. No, he killed it. Who cares? He's going to protect his sheep. But if you've got no one to protect you, all you have is to protect yourself. 
And self-protection is you're going to lose against this enemy you're fighting. And then the psalmist says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Following the shepherd, why would I follow him? Well, you're avoiding harm, unnecessary pain. You're still going to have hard times, trials, valleys. But you know that along the way, he's going to have a party. He's got a table set. Come on in. Look at the fountain. Look, I love this analogy. Now, some tie it in the New Testament to taking communion. That when we take the body of Christ, the feast that we have in his cup, we're surrounded by enemies that would love to devour us, but we're safe. You know, in the, in the, in the Eastern culture, if you came into a tent, I love this. I love this uh, uh, way of their culture. If you if you're invited into a tent to have a meal, once you step in the tent, you become protected by anybody from the outside, even if it's somebody in the tent's relative or friend that wants to get you in the tent. They will not let you get them because they're under your watch while they're in the tent. I, that's, it's not just hospitality. It's protection. It's honor. It's, it's, and when Jesus says, you come in my tent, here's a meal. But what? I hear the wolves howling out there. Don't pay them any mind. Eat that chicken leg. Don't let the fear rob you of what's in front of you. Don't let the anxiety. It's one thing to be alert to the enemy, and you ought to. It's another thing to be overwhelmed in dread and fear of what he could do. The Lord rebukes me of this regularly. Son, you're putting more confidence in what the enemy can do than faith in what I will do. It's okay. You be humble. You be alert. He's vicious. He's good at what he does. He's way stronger than me. He'll destroy and devour you if you walk away from the shepherd. But when you're near the shepherd, don't fear the wolves. When you're, now, if you're not near the shepherd, you better get back near the shepherd. You better be close enough you can hear the voice go, mm-mm. What did he say? Mm-mm. I mean, I thought I heard something. Mm-mm. You know, God's, shepherds don't nag. They guide. I never forget I was praying uh, when I came to Christ, I loved smoking pot when I was younger. Loved it. I just, well, I loved it. I mean, I didn't quit it because I hated it. I loved it. But I said, I didn't know. Is it gone? Is that something, because no one was discipling me, and you can justify anything. God put it on the planet. So I said to him one day, I said, gone? I said, would you show me whether it's right or wrong? And my buddy and I had a bong. If you don't know what that is, it doesn't matter. But it makes it real smooth and it's wonderful. And we took this big hit off this bong. And I literally almost choked to death and died. Never happened to me in my life. I mean, I could not get my breath. My friend who didn't pray the prayer smoked it and nothing happened to him. So you know what I thought? That was a freak accident. I should try it again. Come on, that's how the enemy works. Guess what didn't happen the second time? I didn't choke at all, didn't cough. And the Lord said to me, son, I told you once, I'm not gonna nag you. I'm not gonna beg you. I told you, stop it. You can make every justification you want on any sin you wanna go after. Well, you know, my head didn't fall off, you know, and, and you know, no, no. God leads his sheep by, this is where I'm going, follow me. He's not going to chase you down and make you follow him. 
It's part of being a sheep is I've got the responsibility to listen to the shepherd and go where he's leading and ask him. You say, I don't think there's anything wrong with what I'm doing. Ask Jesus. Ask him. What is his opinion on it? I don't care what your I don't care what the, your your rock star's opinion is, your Hollywood star, your sports star, or your political star. I don't care. What's Jesus say? Does he say anything in his word? Does he say anything in your spirit? As it was his wise counsel say. So Jesus says, I've got a rod and a staff. I'm gonna prepare a table before you, and you can come and dine. And then he says this. He says, I I anoint your head with oil and your cup overflows. This is the Jabez prayer. Bless me a lot, God. Enlarge my territory. God's saying, listen, I'm going to anoint you with the preciousness of oil, which is perfumed and cleansing and, and it's sacred and it represents the Holy Spirit. He can give us. This is our confidence with our youth. It's the only confidence we have. We can't compete with what the world offers out there. We can't as a church but we have the Holy Spirit and they can't compete with that. And when he breathes, he restores souls. He causes people to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's our only ace in the hole is the Holy Spirit. We've got nothing. We're not gonna wow people to Jesus, but we can believe in the Holy Spirit. Anoint us with oil. People that, listen to me, listen to me. People with their cups, trying to fill it with things of this world. Even, you know why some people, maybe in here, are so passionate about politics? You know why? I don't care what side you take. It's because your cup's empty. And you're filling the cup with your politics. And that politics gives you some sense of security, some sense of whatever. But it's cracked, and it's going to leak out. And I don't fault, there are some people out there that don't know Jesus, they have no wholeness as a, they can't, Psalm 20, they're, they're not, they have no feast in front of them. Their only feast is hoping their political party wins. There's nobody anointing their head with oil. They got to anoint the next wonder person in political world that's going to bring salvation. And there's no one that fill their cup. That's a good promise more, do more, solve all the world's problems. And they got empty cups and, they, and they'll kill you over their politics on both sides. Kill you. Some of you would die for your political views. But Jesus, nah, not so much. Not a big deal. You're passionate about because your cup's empty. You're filling it with the wrong thing. That doesn't mean once you have a full cup that you don't have to have an opinion. Doesn't mean that you don't have to have a view or convictions or, or, or work for change. But you can't do it to fill your cup. That's the wrong thing to fill your cup with or sports. And I'll go down that road. It's vanity. Your hero will play until he retires. Then he's done. Now what are you going to do? It's vanity. It leads to nothing but empty cups. I don't care how big a cup they buy. How fancy a car. Wow, they won this. It doesn't make a happy marriage. It doesn't make a whole heart. It doesn't make a life fulfilled. And the only way to do that is follow the shepherd. It's not rocket science. It's not easy. But it's not complicated. It's simple. You do what the shepherd says, even when it doesn't feel right, even when it goes against your favorite pet, whatever. Because there are churches that when their team and their city or state loses, it affects the church's attendance. 
It affects the offering. Probably because they bet on the game and lost. I don't know. They're stupid. What a shallow thing to fill your cup with. It's cracked. It ain't going to hold. Find something that lasts. The only thing I know of is the love of Jesus. Everything else will let you down. Everything else is cracked. Everything else is broken. There's no security. There's no confidence. It's the cup of the Lord. And when he fills it, he fills it so much, it's like, I want to give some, give the, come here, bring your cup here. Let me put some of mine in there. It's overflowing. And then he closes with this. Surely, goodness. Now, the, the NIV says, probably up here, love. Yeah. And that's not bad. But it's, it's the word, surely, goodness, and I learned it, mercy. It's a word too big for one English word. It's the Hebrew word hased, H-E-S-E-D. It's a word that means it's translated in some Bibles, loving kindness. Thy loving kindness is better than... It's too big for love or mercy. It's love. It's, it's, it's mercy with steel in it, if you could think of that. It's, 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 it's God's faithful commitment love, covenant love. And he says this, my shepherd's in front of me with a staff and a club, but I'm vulnerable in the back. Wolves come from behind. But this sheep says, when I look back, surely, not I hope, I hope, I hope, surely, goodness and mercy, they got my back. They got my back. Nothing means more to me, and I've got a number of them, Kim and I do in this church, people that have said to us over the years, we got your back. That doesn't mean we're always right. But it means where we're most vulnerable, they got our backs. And I'm most vulnerable to what's behind me. If I'm following the shepherd, that shame's going to come a-knocking. That guilt's going to come. That fear, that anxiety is going to come from behind. But I've got two watchdogs. I've got two guardian angels. So do you if you're following the shepherd. Now, if you're not following the shepherd, you're vulnerable to what's in front of you to fall off a cliff. And you're vulnerable to what's behind you to come after you. Like the song we sang, he's before me. He's behind me. He's around me. He's above me. He's in me. He's my shepherd. And my shepherd's got my back. Jesus said, I got your back. A good friend has your back. A good friend you can trust even though... You've had people stab you in the back. But when you've got goodness that says, you can't get near him because I stand protecting his back. And you've got mercy and love and grace. The kingdom of God standing behind me. It's like he's got our back. And then it, let's read the unshepherd. Not only does he have no cup full, it leaks. It's empty. Fill it, drains. Fill it, drains. Head ain't anointed. You're, you're miserable. There's no, there's no sweetness of gladness in your life. And you've got nothing watching your back. You're paranoid. You're fearful. You're anxious. You're vulnerable. And you just got that threat of what's coming. What's coming. What's coming after you. But when you follow the shepherd, not only do you know where you're going because you're following him, but you know behind you. Now that's not just saying, I believe in Jesus. That's following the shepherd, listening to the shepherd, being led 
guided, directed, protected by the shepherd that's being near enough to hear his voice and follow him. Or you have nothing guarding your back and who knows what's coming after you. But then the last line, he says this. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'm heading for somewhere. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm heading home. I've got a daddy waiting on me. I've got a papa waiting on me. I've got a home. Where's the shepherd leading? Home. Where's the shepherd guiding us? Well, even if it's through the valley of the shadow of death, it's heading somewhere. It's going to a destination. It's not an unknown, uncertain, oh, it's a randomness of life and just spin the dial and who knows what's beyond out there and the never, never land. And you let Steven Spielberg fill the blank and you let, you know, whoever, doesn't matter. Or you can follow the shepherd that knows where home is because he came from home to come get you. And he knows the way home. I don't. But I know where he's going. He's taking me to the Father. And the Father's waiting to say, welcome home, son. Come on in. It's the arms of God that the psalmist takes us to. From the Lord is my shepherd to he's taking me home. The unshepherd, he's got nowhere to go. No certainty to what to look forward to. There's no destination to their life. There's no direction of guidance to a place called home. He's lost. And that's the only word I could use if you can't say the Lord is my shepherd. You're lost, aimless, without direction, protection, provision. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how self-sufficient you are. You will come to those places where you don't have the anointing to anoint your head. You don't have the provision to make the banquet. You don't have a cup. To, you don't have anything to fill your cup. You can't count on goodness and mercy coming behind you. And you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're going to end up. That's not a good place to live. And that's the world we live around. But, that, 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 but you could be in that category of believing in the shepherd, but living like he's not real. You, you don't have any benefits just because you believe in him. Oh, I'll call on him when I get in a jam. Well, you can do that, and he loves you, but there's a consequence to getting in that place and not paying attention to the warnings and the cautions and the opportunities. Some of you could walk out of here today and say, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm on, you know, I'll think about connecting with the shepherd and paying attention more to what Jesus wants in my life, but I'm kind of busy right now, and things are, not too, things are going pretty good. And he wants you to stay near him because he loves you and the safest place to be. So when Jabez says, dear God, keep me from harm, that's evil, wickedness, temptation. That's rebellion and sin that brings heartache and pain and grief and division and strife and self-absorbedness. Keep me from harm so I won't harm others. See, sin's never just bottled up inside of you and kept as a personal, private thing. Sin is always effective in both your life and the life of those that you love and care about. I don't care if it's sin in your head, in your heart, or sin that you're acting out secretly. That sin is going to bring consequences. And the shepherd says, I can't keep you from them. God, I love you too much. 
I'm not going to protect you from goodness and mercy. Don't protect you from consequences of your sin. Those are coming and they're painful. And Jabez says, Lord, keep me from that. And the way to keep from it is to avoid traps, snares, and temptation. I think of amazing grace, how sweet the song that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. But then he says, tis grace that's brought me, or no, through, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that's brought me safe thus far, and grace shall bring me home. Many dangers. Don't underestimate your enemy. Dangers. Don't, uh, don't overestimate your abilities to resist him. And be wise for his traps, snares, spider webs that he sets to try to pull you away from Jesus. So what do you do? Run to the shepherd. Say, Jesus, keep me from harm. Protect me from myself at times, from the evil's lies, from temptation, from seduction. Keep me safe near you. He is the shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Can you say, the Lord is my shepherd? I shall not want. Let's pray. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. God, you could have described yourself in so many different ways than a shepherd. It's humbling to think that we have a God that is shepherd-like. I know you're a warrior. I know, Father, that you're a mighty, almighty God, creator. But you relate to us as a shepherd through our Lord Jesus. If you're here today and you've, you've just never said yes to Jesus as your shepherd, your Lord and shepherd, what a wonderful opportunity to just say, Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and shepherd. I, I submit to you. I surrender to you. I trust you with my life to be my Lord and my shepherd. Just ask him. He, he, sheep belong to him because he invites them to come to him, and he gives us eternal life when we do. And maybe you've been a sheep that hadn't been staying near. And maybe you just feel safe that if you get in a jam, you can call on him and he'll get you out of it. But God wants you to avoid the jam, have wisdom, and stay near him. And let him lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So that you will be kept from harm, evil, disaster, ruin, destruction. So if you pray that prayer and say, Jesus, come be my my Lord and my shepherd. He heard you. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Christ died for your sins, that you confess with your mouth that he is your Lord and you shall be saved, protected, delivered, forgiven, all that it means to be his sheep. Lord, bless this time of uh, ministry. Uh, and Lord, give courage to anyone that needs to take a stand today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Whether you watched online or you're here and you prayed that prayer with us, 
And this is your time to say, not just I'm voting on Jesus or I might even know that he's a shepherd, but you made it personal today. The Lord is my shepherd. If you did that online, we'd love to hear. Type in that I said yes to Jesus as Lord. If you're here and did that, we love to celebrate, ring a bell. You, you got to go public with what's personal in your heart for faith to be released in your life. So we're not doing this to embarrass anybody. We're doing it to celebrate, but for your benefit that I've made public, I belong to his sheep. I had someone came up in the last service, and he's going to stand, but he just said, I, I need you to know that I, I, I made Jesus my Lord today. I, I wanted to be one of his sheep. I said, that's powerful, man. I said, next time, be bold and stand. Confirm it publicly. So if you pray that prayer with me, take a bold stand right where you are. I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. Just stand where you are. This is your day. I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow the shepherd. I'm sorry, I couldn't see. Go ahead, stand up. You want to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Go ahead. God bless you, man. God bless you. Good job. You can sit down. We ring that bell to celebrate. That's the Lord saying, welcome home. Welcome home. Young man, did you stand? Is that a young lady? Okay, go ahead. You want to say, I say yes to Jesus as my Lord? Amen. God bless you. Yeah. God bless you. I'm going to tell you something about it. the shepherd. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. That's a good thing. Hallelujah. Anyone else? You want to take your stand today? I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. I know. It's like, ooh, boy, that's, yeah, listen, it's the best. You'll never, you'll never, I've never had anybody ever come back to me and say, man, I wish I hadn't have stood. I've had many people say, I wish I'd have stood sooner. Or I regret that I didn't stand then. Anyone else? You want to stand? I say yes to Jesus, says my Lord. Anybody online yet? No. Come, Lord. All right. Well, we're going to, you know, I love this next song we're going to close with. But if you just put it in the context of this is how the shepherd rolls. This is how he ministers. This is who he is when you follow him. So let's stand up, honey. Come on up. We're going to sing this last song. and Just celebrate being a sheep. Get near him. Let him whisper to you. Let him love on you. Let him anoint your head with oil. Some of you are squeaky. You need some fresh oil. Come on. Oil of gladness. Some of your cups like dry. You need it. Hold it up. Say, Lord, fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up. Fill it, Jesus. I need you afresh. That's good. He doesn't go, oh, come on. Come on. You want more again? No, that's what the whole point of the prayer is. Bless me a lot. So that when you're blessed, you stay near him. Because where he is, that's where the blessings will be. Amen? Come on, let's worship him.